Hallelujah. Give the Lord a great praise offering. Come on. He is worthy. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Before I get into the word, I, 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 have, to, I have to give honor where honor is due. And, you know, I, I, I really, really value the pastoral family and, and, and I value Pastor Gay. But yesterday I learned something that was quite interesting. And the one thing I learned that, that is incredible is that Pastor Jay and, and, and Pastor Margie have been in ministry for over 50 years. They've been pastoring and started pastoring 24 years. But we got a testimony that pastor was already traveling at the, at the musical accompany to an evangelist at the age of 12. At the age of 12, he was already traveling to other places and, and opening up, if you will, for an evangelist in music and playing music. 12 years old. So what you're talking about is a lifestyle. You're not talking about just people who go to church. You're talking about people who for over 50 years have been pretty much immersed in what is a culture of the kingdom. Amen. And, and for that, to me, that is, see, I don't have a, the, the, the heritage that I've inherited the legacy that I've inherited, I've inherited spiritually because the promises of Abraham are now mine. But the reality is I don't have that kind of heritage because I come from a godless family. My, what, was, what was generational in my upbringing was witchcraft. My mother was a third generation witch. So what was passed on to me were curses, not blessings. And, and so to see and to be around a family that you can go back generations and you can see the blessings of godliness, to me, that is worthy of honor. Because to me, to me, the most powerful testimony is not the person who was delivered from. To me, is the person who has remained. Faithful throughout the years when it's so easy to quit and it's so easy to give up. It's so easy to become uh, cynical, meaning not trust anybody. It's so easy to just close the door when you get hurt because you're in the people business. It's so easy to do that. And yet to be around people like your pastors and their family who still a love God and b love people to me, that is worthy of honor. And so we, we've been celebrating. They invited me to celebrate. And those of you that are of a Puerto Rican persuasion know that Puerto Ricans don't like to party. <laughs> I mean, it's in our blood, right? Like, I remember before I got saved, uh, they would baptize the baby and, and beer was being brought in. It was like, you know, it, it's kind of like any reason to party were the party. At least that's how I grew up. And uh, yeah, you know, the dog died. Party. <laughs> and what's the party about today? Well, we had, we're partying because we had a party two weeks ago. So we want to be consistent. Uh, I mean, so, you know, our culture is a partying culture. All you got to do is visit Puerto Rico during uh, the Christmas holidays and you'll see that there's no party like a Puerto Rican party. Amen. And I would imagine that the Cubans and the Dominicans are pretty similar. We all come out of the same jet stream, if you will. So when I got the call to come and party Jesus style with, with the family and with Pastor Jay and Margie, my wife and I jumped on it and we were so honored to be invited and to be a part of it and and, and to bring today the word is, is a double honor for me. And so I, I want you to know that, that uh, I really do not take this privilege uh, lightly. I believe this is truly an honor. And, and I pray that I will honor your pastor today as I deliver a word to this, to this house. Uh, I, I want to piggyback 
on something I talked about uh, the last time I was here. And the last time I was here, I talked about being spirit-led and, and, and the importance of being spirit-led. Well, today, I, I want to introduce to you uh, a people in the Bible whose whole purpose in, in God's uh, establishing of his people, meaning the nation of Israel, was to be spirit-led and guided. And, you know, when you do a study on the 12 tribes, you'll find that the tribes took on the character of their patriarch, which were the sons of Jacob, right? Who was the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, Abraham, right? And so God picks a man that he's going to make his man because he's going to reveal himself to the world in a distinct manner. So he picks a man uh, out of a region which today some would say would be probably Iraq and he brings this man to himself and out of this man he promises to birth a nation. But that nation is not brought into existence till many generations later, which teaches us that God is a God of generations. That what God is doing in your life today is not just for you. And what God did in your parents' life was not just for them. You are beneficiaries or benefactors of what God did in your parents' life. And so that behooves us or it challenges us to embrace with awesome responsibility and awe God's selection of me and my wife because we are the beginning of a new thing that God is doing in my generations. Amen? And most likely in your generations. And so the devil wants to cancel that generational blessing. The devil wants to abort the miracle God put in you. Amen? He wants to abort it. He wants to kill it because he knows that what God passes on is generational. So anyway, he selects a man. From this man, he's going to birth a nation. But before he births a nation, he first has to give a man a son. So he gives him a son. He gives him one before, but that one was from the works of man, not the works of God, and, and so that's Ishmael, and we know what happened there, but then he gives him Isaac. Then from Isaac comes, uh, how many know the, the battle of the two nations inside the womb, right? And there's two, which is a picture of all of us, amen, the, a picture that the world and, and God are wrestling within us, trying to bring forth a divine purpose, Right? And, and, and so, so Jacob, the supplanter, the get over, Jacob, the supplanter, becomes Israel, the man of God, by which we know the people of God today. Amen? The nation of Israel. But out of this man come sons who don't always act right, but but they finally get it together by a sovereign move of God. And there comes a time later on, later on, that God is going to birth this nation he promised. And we know that that happens through the leading of a man called Moses. Because Egypt serves Israel at the womb. How many know the Spanish word for womb is matri? Right? That's a biblical word. It's in the Old Testament, which means womb. So Egypt serves Israel at the womb. A family goes in, a nation comes out. Amen? And it's led by Moses. The promise is fulfilled. Can you say amen? And in the birthing of this nation... There are tribes that are distinct, that are given names according to their patriarch and the gifts that were in operation in those patriarchs. 
And so if you ever want to do a quite, uh, an interesting study, do a study on the 12 tribes and the name by which they were known. And I'm going to talk more about that later on and how that ties into this dynamic of being spirit-led. Amen? Because this is important. And the reason why it's important is because we are living in a very, listen to this word, delusive age. The word delusive means the intent is to deceive. Right? We're living in an age where, where uh, a lot of what is going on around you is just a facade. There's much more wicked stuff happening behind the scenes. Amen? Jesus talked to us about these times. We're living in them. These are the troubled times Jesus talked about. These are the times where people are more lovers of themselves than they are lovers of God. These are the times where people are more impressed by, by pleasure than by what God is doing. Amen? And this world is enticing, amen, even the church of Jesus Christ to settle for less when God has nothing but the best for them. Can you, can you at least choose to believe that today? Amen. If you choose to believe that today, then lend me your ears. Amen. Because through your ears, I believe God will touch your heart. And as he touches your heart, he's going to ignite your spirit. And as he ignites your spirit, the revival that you experienced and are experiencing through that praise and worship will transcend outside of this building and it will be manifested in your lives wherever you're at. In your job, in your neighborhood, in your family, wherever you go. Why? Because we are carriers of his glory. Amen? Listen to me. Listen to me. God's a show-off. I, I know some of you get offended. God's a show-off. As a matter of fact, in the, next, in the New Testament, he says, listen, if you're going to brag, brag on me. Paul talks about it. I boast in the Lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything God does is to make himself known. He says, you know how you know I exist? Look around you. <laughs> I showed off when I made that tree. Isn't it awesome? We would say, coming from the hood, isn't it bad? But we know we're speaking ebonically speaking, meaning it's fantastic. Right? And so let me talk to you a little bit about this dynamic of being spirit-led and, and get into this. And I'm going to kind of give you a recap of what I talked about the last time. And then we're going to get into the, into the juicy part of this steak. And then, and then, and then we're going to invite you to, to, to want what it is that God is revealing and then by faith, we're going to get it. Amen? Are, are you with me? Okay, praise God. Praise God. If you want to put a title on this message, call it the Sons of Issachar. The Sons of Issachar. Let us go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 and we're going to read verse 13 through 20 of Matthew chapter 16. However, I would challenge you to stay at Matthew 16 because we're going to refer to Matthew 16 to bring out the meat of, of, of what it is that, that is happening in this whole portion of Scripture. So Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, and we're going to read on through uh, verse 20. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may the reading of his word enrich you and enlarge you in Jesus' name. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. John, excuse me, 
Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Heaven. Thank you, Father God, for the reading of your word. May it set a foundation for this lesson that we're going to listen to today in this house. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, the last time I ministered here, we spoke about developing spiritual vision or sight. And so we know that spiritual vision or sight is basically this, and I'm going to define it in a very layman's term, meaning very simple term, and it is spiritual vision is sight. Is, is, is sight or our capacity to see clearly what God wants us to do and to see the world from his point of view. So, so spiritual vision is spirit-led and spirit-revealed vision. You're seeing things from a godly perspective, from a biblical perspective. As such, you evaluate and judge things from that perspective. Perspective. Can you say amen? We also spoke a bit about discernment. And, and we talked about that discernment is when we can see what God is doing. Uh, in other words, even in obscurity. Discernment is the capacity to see in the midst of obscurity. When something is obscure, that means it's kind of covered. It's not very clear. Discernment is the ability to see beyond what is trying to keep covered whatever the situation may be. Discernment is when God gives you the ability because of your spiritual insight to see beyond the hidden. Are are you tracking with me? In a believer's life, discernment is essential for being able to identify good and evil. As a matter of fact, I personally believe that without discernment, Christians or we are incapable of truly discerning good and evil, especially since often evil disguises itself as good. So in other words, to spiritual sight, you need to add discernment. It's not enough just to have spiritual sight because often things are obscure. You can't find it in scriptures. You can't clearly define it. There are things that are not definable by the insight that the Holy Spirit gives to us. So we need the Holy Spirit to remove the mask. We need the Holy Spirit to remove that which is tending to cover so that we can see truly the nature of a thing. Can you say amen? Amen. In other words, I talked last week that our life experiences can often affect how we view things. As such, without Christ in our lives, we are incapable of truly discerning good and evil, especially since evil often disguises itself as good. And one portion of scripture that that's affirmed, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 to 15, where Paul in dealing with false prophets, says this, these, are pe- these people are false apostles, excuse me, false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. In other words, they're evil, but acting like they're good. But I'm not surprised, Paul says, even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You, you, you see what I'm saying? That's why it's important to add discernment to spiritual sight. Because there are times that there are delusive ploys that are raised against you to rob you of your testimony, to rob you of the glory that God wants to reveal in and through your life. So Paul says, so it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. I've been pastoring for quite a bit. I can't tell you how many devils have come into our church 
baa like lamb. Oh, they baa, but they were wolves. I, it happens. It's real. In most cases, we're able to discern them before they manifest. Not all cases, because sometimes they're sophisticated. They're sophisticated baaz. They are. They're, they're good. But in most cases, we're able to discern them before they manifest. So, so he says, so it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Therefore, beloved, it is imperative that we believers develop our spiritual sight and discernment. Again, discernment is the quality of being able to grasp and comprehend what is obscure. Uh, a cinnamon, synonym that can be added to that is wisdom. But we know the wisdom that comes from above and insightful. Now, we know that Solomon prayed for discernment and spiritual vision. That's found in 1 Kings 3, 7 through 9. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I'm a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people when you have ch- who you have chosen, a great people too numerous and to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. Now, I want to go back to our text because the whole chapter 16, Jesus is uncovering the necessity for discernment. Now, what is interesting is that even though we just focused on verse 13 through 20, which is the whole uh, encounter at, at the gates of hell, which was an actual place there at, at uh, Caesarea Philippi with a cave called the gates of hell, is that you have to understand that this, this little town, let's call it a small town, Caesarea Philippi, was built by Herod to honor Caesar in the Jewish territory in the, the area of the Galilee. So Jesus, who most of his ministry is done in the region of the Galilee, most of his miracles are done in the region of the Galilee, he takes them to this place that symbolizes the seat of authority of Rome in Judea. Okay? In other words, the place and the people who God rules are being ruled by a man. And it's there where Jesus takes the disciples to reveal to them the reality that in that house of power, he's the real power. See, God's a trip. I'm telling you, he likes to show off. It's not a bad thing when God shows himself off. Amen? One of them was the parting of the Red Sea. Amen? I mean, when he shows off, he does it big. You know, he, he don't just bring out a little bling bling. You know, he brings out the whole cave and says, all of the diamonds are mine. <laughs> That's the God we serve, right? And so, so he uses this little trek into uh, uh, Caesarea uh, Philippi to, to reveal who he is. And so he he asked, but you know, before he does that, the whole chapter 16 begins like this. The Pharisees are talking to Jesus and they go, well, we hear that you this and that. Show us a sign. And he goes, you wicked and perverse generation. He says, I ain't giving you no sign except, except the sign of Jonah. Now, what was, what was the sign of Jonah? Jonah had spent three days in the belly of a whale, basically dead, and spat back out, resurrected. What Jesus is prophesying is that there's coming a day when I'm going to go down and descend into the pits of, uh, of hell and come back victorious. But the reality is that there were signs everywhere. 
They asked for a sign because they were not seeing what he was doing because they were dead spiritually. Right? Then, after he pretty much jacks up the Pharisees and basically, yeah, you bunch of devils, then he comes with, the, with, his, with his spiritual children. Check this out. And, and, and they're getting ready to go to another shore. This is all in chapter 16. Remember, the lesson is spiritual sight and discernment. And the, the disciples are, oh, man, we forgot to pack enough food. And they're stressing out because they didn't pack enough food. And Jesus uses the opportunity to go to them. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're like, oh, see, even the master knows we didn't have enough food. And they're arguing and fighting because they totally missed the lesson. They totally missed the moment Jesus is trying to teach them. And he finally has to say, yo, bro. Now, if he was me, this is how he would have said it, right? Yo, bro, you bunch of knuckleheads. I'm the guy who fed 5,000 people with crumbs. I'm the guy who fed 4,000 people with crumbs. You think I'd be sweating over the fact that you didn't bring leaven? Now, he didn't say it like that. At least they didn't write it. I choose to believe by faith he said it like that. Because that's my language. Right? And then, he's, then, then they go, oh, he's talking about leaven. He's talking about the fruit of the Pharisees. That's like leaven. It, it consumes and it, and it, you know, it, it, it spreads quickly. He said, be careful about that. So, so here they are, missing the total point. Jesus finally brings the revelation to him. And so now, he's leading them to a greater point. Who am I? Who do the people say that I am? This is all chapter 16. Who do the people say that I am? And they start, Jeremiah, Eli they miss it. They miss it. They, they've lessened the Son of God to one of the prophets. And here comes Peter. And what's powerful is, remember, the whole time, he, the lesson he's trying to give is he's trying to give them insight of who he is and how they need to live. And so finally, Peter says, you are, and he goes, you the man, bro, because no man showed you that, but my father in heaven. In other words, that's spiritual insight and discernment, right? That spiritual insight and discernment. And, and, and if you allow me to just wax eloquent here for a little bit, and then he goes on and he says, and because you are demonstrating spiritual insight and discernment, I'm giving you the authority. And I'm going to give you the authority to bind on earth and it'll be bound in heaven. And to loose on earth and it'll be loose in heaven. Or to loose in heaven, and it'll be loosed on earth. In other words, the authority that has been given to me to be master of this and there, amen, I now pass on to you because you are seen like I see, understanding like I understand. And it's because God is revealing it to you. What is interesting... <laughs> that after receiving this, this revelation and this power and authority, <laughs> the Esau in Peter manifests. Not that it happens in this church, but at least in, in my church, Pastor, every once in a while you get some powerful Peters that get discernment and revelation, and just a few mo moments later they're Esau selling their birthright for a bowl of soup. Peter reveals to us the nature of humanity even in the midst of divine revelation. Because the same Peter that receives this, 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 this unction, if you will, this anointing to be and to do is called the devil. Just a few verses later. Why? Listen, why? Here's the lesson. The reason Peter basically was called the devil 
was because he was mindful of the things of earth and not of above. The hardest rebuke given to any of his disciples was reserved for Peter, the man who just a few days, hours, minutes earlier was given authority to bind and to loose. Why? Because he dared to pull Jesus to the side. Because after this revelation of who Jesus is, Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he's going to go to Jerusalem, he's going to suffer, and he's going to give his life. And Peter, in the boldness of, now I'm the man, he pulls Jesus to the side and he goes, yo, bro, you need to cut that out. Bro, nixay, xay, right now, a. We ain't talking about you dying. We got a good thing going here. He literally rebukes Jesus. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. And listen to what he says. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are dangerous to me or dangerous trap to me. For you are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. So the whole lesson that begins in the beginning of chapter 16 ends with an admonition for failure to have spiritual insight and discernment. And he literally is saying, you, you are a danger to me. Because through your limited understanding, you can stop me or attempt to stop me from fulfilling my father's plan. And this is why discernment and spiritual sight is so important. This is why we need fathers and mothers of the faith to lead us and guide us. Because just like Peter, we have the capacity to in one moment come forth with incredible revelation and in the next moment totally kick the bucket over. And spill the beans. This is why in a body of believers with vision and revival, in the midst of revival, you have people who rise up and want to criticize the color of a carpet. Or why we're spending money on that light fixture. This happens. This dynamic, beloved, of discernment is so essential that Father God in the institution of his nation establishes 12 tribes. And out of those tribes, he chooses one. Listen to me. He chooses one tribe. And this tribe he anoints for discerning the times and seasons of God. And it's not the Levitical tribe. The Levitical tribe were the priests. These were the seers, the discerners, the ones who could look at the times and go, God's getting ready to do this. They were called or are called the sons of Issachar. They were one of the 12 tribes of Israel. The sons of Issachar understood chronological time, but they also understood spiritual and political time. The sons of Issachar could discern what God was doing and when he was doing it. They knew when one move of God was ending and another was beginning. They could discern when a leader was falling and another leader was rising. They could even tell you who the next leader should be. They knew who to follow and when to follow. I'll give you some testimonies of the nation of Issachar according or how it's recorded in the Old Testament. In other words, not only that, but the sons of Issachar excelled in knowledge of God's law, his word. They were full of wisdom. In fact, God chooses the sons of Issachar as one of the three tribes to go in front of Israel whenever the nation moved. When the nation of Israel was nomadic, meaning moving from place to place, the temple had not been built yet. It was a tabernacle. These were the three tribes that led the way. Issachar, Judah, and Sebulun. 
You want to know what the distinction of each one was? Judah, the tribe from which Jesus would come. The worshipers. The tabernacle marched with worship leading it. You want to know why we worship before the word is brought forth? You want to know why we worship before we open our hearts to receive what God is saying? Because you enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. You enter his courts with praise. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray. This is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. It reminds you of who he is and who we are not. Zebulon, they were the finance people, the money people. That's why when a church starts to have revival, the money become the contention. I've heard of more churches who kill revival because they start arguing over money. Can I tell you a way to never allow money to become a point of contention? Become extremely and extravagantly generous. Stop trying to hoard money and let money work for you. That's what Zebulon did. You know what the primary function of Zebulon was? This is going to trip you out. The primary function of Zebulon was to pay for the Issacharians to do nothing but study and discern. That was their primary function. I am my brother's keeper. I'm going to pay everything for the Issacharians because I want to know what God's saying. I want to make sure we don't get trapped. I want to make sure we don't fall for the okey-doke. I don't want the Ishikarians to worry about anything. We will provide for them. That's why when you apply that principle of, of radical release, when you apply that principle in the midst of revival of extravagant giving and you take care of each other and you bless each other, but most importantly you take care of the man of the house, Revival will always reign in your midst. I teach our people that there's three ways of giving. There's tithe, which belongs to God. That's not yours. You don't give tithe. You pay your tithe. It's like, you don't give to Con Edison. You don't give to PPNL. You don't give it to them. You pay. That's your tithe. You give your offerings. That's what you give out of love, your heart. And then the third is alms besides. We threw all instituted givings in the nation of Israel. And you know who you give alms to? You can either give it to the church to distribute it benevolently according to a benevolent fund, or you give it to each other. You watch who are the people who have needs, and you bless them. And you, you know, in our church in Lancashire and in the city, our church is in the hood. There have been over five cars or about five cars given from one to another. Give it. Because I teach our people don't sell stuff. Give it. You'll get more back. That's why our church has profit. That's why we went from one church to over 20-something churches. That's why we're touching the nations. That's why we're touching the world. That's why a building was put into our hands. Because we were always extravagant in our giving. We didn't argue over money. We don't have a bank a savings account. What comes in goes out. And if we do save a little bit, it's for the summer when the, the drought comes. It's constantly going out. It's constantly going. Why? Because the world's in need. The church is in need. People are in need. That's the body of Christ. I tell people, you want to know how to measure prosperity? Prosperity is measured not by what you obtain. Prosperity is measured by what you give. 
You show me your prosperity by what you own, I'll show you my prosperity by what I've given away. Three principles. Worship. Finances. Because without finances, it, you need finances to make things run. And discerners. So we don't fall into the snare of the enemy. That's how important spiritual insight and discernment is. That other stuff I gave you there was for free. That was not part of the message. The Holy Spirit wanted me to say it. Blame him. Still love me. You have to. You have to love me. You, if you don't, you're in sin. And Pastor Jay and Margie have not told me to say any of this. Amen. Here are some examples, testimonies, testimonies, testimonies of the sons of Issachar. Now, number one, this one blew my mind. They supported a female ruler when it may not have been popular. In the times when Israel was governed by judges before it had kings, around 1100 B.C. or earlier, according to some scholars, a woman rose up to judge the land. Her name was Deborah. Although women did have rights in Israel, it would still have been unusual for a woman to sit in authority over the nation. Nevertheless, God was with Deborah. He placed her in authority, and the sons of Issachar knew it. Therefore, they sided with Deborah and went out to battle under her, under, her, uh, under her leadership. Pretty gutsy move, can you say amen? amen? Why did they do it? Because they could discern the times and seasons, and they knew God's hand was on her, and it was her time to rule. They gained a great victory and freed the land from foreign rule as a result. You can read that in the first five chapters of Judges. The second testimony of the sons of Issachar, they supported King David before he became king. When he was not popular with King Saul, who was in power at the time, before King David, the second king of Israel, began to reign, warriors from the 12 tribes started gathering to him. All the tribes were split in their support of David. There was a division in the house of Israel, except for one tribe, one tribe was behind David 100% of the time. It was the tribe of, say it with me, Issachar. They were united in their support of David according to the passage quoted above in 1 Chronicles 12.32. I love testimonies. Why did all Issachar support David? Because they knew that God had called him to become king. And they knew that his time had come. They could discern the changing of times. It worked out well, too. David became the next king and remains the most famous king of Israel in all of their history to this day. Beloved, spiritual vision and insight gave the Issacharians discernment and great advantage in facing life and its many twists and turns. You want to have an advantage in life? Get this anointing. Get this anointing. The sons of Issachar had something special. Their ability to discern the times and seasons was an incredible advantage. This anointing gave them inside knowledge and understanding of God's activities. They were not taken by surprise when things happened. They had influence as a result of their unique ability to understand times and seasons. They knew what Israel should do and when it should be done. Their nation... The nation followed their example. I close with this. This anointing that obviously is placed upon the sons of Issachar can be yours today. And not like Sham Wow for $9.99, but for free. Here's how you can obtain the anointing of the sons of Issachar so that you can discern the times and avoid the pitfalls of carnality and sensuality, meaning being sense driven 
instead of Holy Spirit led. How, how, pastor? I'm going to give you some very specific things. For this, there is a formula. The first is you have to recognize that God is no respecter of persons. This is important because a lot of us are afraid to ask God for stuff because we're full of guilt and shame. Right? So the first thing you have to recognize is that God is no respecter of persons. Romans 2.11 says, for there is no partiality with God. God doesn't have favorites. Acts 10.34 says this, tell us. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. If God gave the sons of Issachar a, a special spiritual ability, he is able to give you and me the same ability. Did you hear that? The second thing. So the first thing is know that God is no respecter of persons. That if he did it for one, he can do it for you. Right? Number two. You got to know that in Christ Jesus, all the blessings God gave Abraham and his descendants of Jews also belong to you. Now. Now. Galatians 3.9 tells us, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Galatians 3, 13 through 14 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. It is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentile in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Beloved, you and I are the Gentiles. The blessings of Abraham have now come upon us. When you and I confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we inherit all that is his and belongs to him. Past, present, and future. So the first thing is know that he's no respecter of persons. So therefore, dispossess yourself of your shame and your guilt. Repent and accept him and know that your sins are washed away. Number two, you have just inherited divine treasures. Number three, because we are adopted into God's family through Christ, we are entitled to all the blessings of Abraham. So now that you know you can have whatever God gave the Jews, you only have to, number three, ask. Oh, that's so difficult. No, it's not. Just ask. Just ask. The problem is it's so simple we can't, because we are so works-minded. No, it can't be that simple. I got to do something. I got to crawl on glass. I got to whip myself with a whip. I got to do something. I got to do penance. Pastor, tell me, how many times do I have to do the dishes? Forever. <laughs> That's an inside joke. <laughs> Beloved, ask. Ask God for the anointing of the sons of Issachar. Ask him to give you the ability to discern the times and seasons and always know what to do. All of God's promises are available to us. All we have to do is ask. And number four, after you ask, start paying attention. When you feel like something new is about to happen, when you feel reluctant to make a certain decision just because you feel like it isn't quite time, when you feel like you shouldn't take anything new right now because you feel like a new door is about to open, when God leads you to stand for something or someone that is biblically supported but isn't popular, when God starts to give you influence and people follow your example, this is the anointing of the sons of Issachar at work in you. Are you ready to see the anointing of the sons of Issachar at work in your life? Go ahead.
and ask for it. Always remembering this, John 15, 16. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Today, all I'm going to say is we're just responding to a promise. Anything you ever get from God because you ask was first offered by him. It was first offered by him. Because he's a good father who loves you, who loves me, who loves us more than we can ever know. Are you tired of taking one step forward and two back? Are you tired of tripping over the same foolishness over again and again? Are you able to see how the enemy's trying to tempt you to certain situations or circumstances? Are you able to? If you're not today, I'm telling you, God can develop you in this area and give you a passion and a hunger for his word. Because most often, if it's written, it's clear. We just got to find it. But if it's not written, if it's not clear, we just simply have to be still and know that he is God. And he will direct your steps Because the word of God says the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. Father, we thank you today for your grace and mercy. And Father, today you have given us insight. Father, to this dynamic of discernment. Not just the knowledge of your word. Not just the presence of your spirit but the capacity to operate above the temptations, above the inclinations of our flesh, led by your spirit, guided by your word, and in tuned with your purpose and your will when things are not made clear. You have given us a body. You have given us Leaders, you have given us men and women endued with wisdom from above. Father God, let us walk into the arms of that shelter that we may live like our sister testified 24 years. Not perfect, but definitely progressing, definitely growing, definitely increasing. If you're here today, your anointing to know, to do, to be, begins with a surrender to Christ Jesus. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus with nobody looking around, I'm going to ask you to just put your hand up and put it right back down that I can see it. And I'll know that you are humbling yourself today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Go ahead and put your hand up and put it right back down so I can see it. Yes, I see this hand. Glory to God. Oh, give the Lord a praise offering church. We have one on this heart here today. Amen. Maybe you're here and you served him at one time, but you're not serving him today. You have given into your desires and your and your fears and your pleasures. And 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 you feel You're full of guilt and shame. But today God is saying, I love you. I never stopped loving you. Come back to me. And I'll lead you into the goodness and the blessed state that I have reserved for you. If that's you, along with this honest heart, you can raise your hand and put it back down at the sign that you are wanting to rededicate your life. Make a fresh commitment. Yes, I see this hand. You can put it back down. Yes, I see these other hands. Yes, we've got some honest hearts in this place, which means the Spirit of the Lord is here. Because only the Lord can touch and impact a wounded heart. 
Is there anyone else today? You want to surrender your life to Jesus? You have not raised your hand. You want to surrender your life to Jesus? Or you want to make a fresh commitment to Christ? If that's you, go ahead and raise your hand so I can see it. Yes, I see this hand also. Yes, I see this hand. Who else? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. I'm going to ask one more thing, Pastor. I don't know if, if, if you invite them to come forward, but if you raise your hand, we don't want to embarrass you, but we'd love to pray for you. You raise your hand. Can we seal your dedication and your commitment with a prayer? Can you come and just join me right here? Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Yes, church, give them a hand right now. It takes guts to do what they're doing. Who else? We have some others who raise their hands. Come forward. Come forward. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. Bless you, sweetheart. Who else? There's others. There's others. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. You can stand right here. Just stand right there. Praise God. Praise God. There's a few others. If you don't want to come up, that's fine. Ushers, if you see them, they raise their hand. Feel free to go to them discreetly and, 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 and offer prayer to them. Can we have leaders of the house come and stand? I'd like women to stand with women and men to stand with men. Yeah, I think we have a couple. If we can have a, a, a leadership couple stand with them. Glory to God. Church, let me tell you something. There's nothing greater in a service than a rededication or a, a new commitment to Christ. There's nothing greater. Listen, I have just slapped the devil in the face. Amen. Amen. Because of the word that was come forth and the moving of the Holy Spirit, today this church is receiving rewards for the anointing that was established in this house and these souls that are being counted into the kingdom. These men and women are going to pray a prayer of repentance and acceptance with you. Amen. Welcome to the family. Bless you. to God I just want to do one last thing and that is can we have if you serve in any ministry whatsoever you do anything here you take out the trash you you do you do the hospitality you do worship you do any you serve in any capacity I want you to stand up right where you're at just stand up you're on the elder board. You do it. Doesn't, ministry is ministry. Service is service. In the eyes of God, that's all he wants us to do is be a part. I'm going to pray a prayer over you right where you're at. And, and I'm, going to, I'm going to believe that, that today your heart is asking for this anointing. This, this anointing of the sons of Issachar. That you may truly... That you may truly operate in this anointing as seers and intercessors of this house. That we don't just depend on the pastors to hear from God. But that we can also hear from God. I want to challenge prayer movements to be ignited. Prayer movements, even if it's just once a week where, where maybe nothing's happening at the church but you come to pray. And you come to intercede. And you come to do spiritual warfare on behalf of the hurting, the sick. I'm telling you, there's a power that will come forth from this place. It's here. It's here. But God wants the strength of corporate prayer to begin to, to bind and to loose. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release this anointing which was placed upon the sons of Issachar to be the discerners and seers for the nation of Israel in their inception in their journey in their existence through troubled times you gave them the capacity to see you gave them the capacity to discern you gave them the capacity Lord God to hear what you were saying and what you were doing. Father, in the same manner, I release this anointing upon these men and these women to be and to do 
what you have called them to be and do in this house and in this region of Pennsylvania, Allentown, Bethlehem, what they call the Lehigh Valley. Father God, give them capacity to see and to hear what your spirit is doing, that they may bind principalities and rulers of this region and loose the blessings of God, a revival for this region that had been prophesied and promised throughout the ages. Father, in the name of Jesus, ignite that passion for prayer in this house that you may be glorified in and through these men and women that are standing asking for this Issachar anointing. Be glorified in and through their lives and through this church, Father God, and those who have committed their lives to you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a praise offering.